Hello, everyone. Art Tomasetti back with you with the July edition of the Flight Test Safety Podcast. Let's start off with our look back in aviation history. And there are a lot of great historical events we can talk about in the month of July. Now, I'm always a little partial to remembering the Mission X flight of the X-35B that occurred in 2001. But let's mention a few others. On 25 July 1984, cosmonaut Svetlana Savitskaya, on her second mission to the Salyut 7 space station, became the first woman to perform a spacewalk when she spent three hours and 35 minutes outside the station. On the 27th of July 1972, McDonnell Douglas chief test pilot Irving Burroughs made the first flight of the prototype YF-15 Eagle at Edwards Air Force Base. And on the 29th of July 1958, Dwight D. Eisenhower, 34th President of the United States, signed Public Law Number 85-568, the National Aeronautics and Space Act of 1958, which established the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, commonly referred to as NASA. Our focus topic for this month took me out on location to a local watering hole to meet up with a few flight testers and talk about, well, you guessed it, flight test stuff. You know, simple stuff like predicting the future, qualitative versus quantitative risk analysis, safety culture, 3Q, and of course, football. Now, I don't want to spoil it anymore, so let's jump right in. All right, Art Thomas City with you here for the Flight Test Safety Podcast, sitting at Third Planet Brewery, the mothership. Um, yes, and last month was the anniversary of the Roswell incident, but this has nothing to do with that. I'm sitting here with Vanessa Rubello and Mark Jones for a little discussion on flight test issues. And I'm going to let Mark lead the discussion today, and I may actually be one of the interviewees. So Mark, I'll turn it over to you. And like we start off with uh, just a little bit of your background, current job, your background in flight tests, and then over to Vanessa for the same thing before we get started. Thank you for the invitation, Art. I'm Mark Jones. I was a C-17 test pilot for the Air Force. I'm currently flying uh, drones for the Air Force, but as a civilian, I'm a DER test pilot. I'm going to hand the mic to Vanessa so she can introduce herself. Hi, Vanessa Rebello here, um, flight test engineer on multiple aircraft throughout my career, both fighters, heavies, and now EV tolls. So before we get going, and Vanessa, if you keep the mic, just... I'm curious, is what got you started in the flight test profession? What brought you to flight test as a career? I think it goes back to why I went into engineering. I always wanted, my mom told me, I always wanted something that didn't exist. And so why not now test something that didn't exist, right? So getting into something, getting into the action from the very beginning is my, you know, wheelhouse. And Mark, same question to you. What got you started in the flight test profession? My dad was a pilot, and I was a nerd. <laughs> Put those two things together, and it looks a lot like a test pilot. Something I wanted to do since I was a little kid. All right. So with that, Mark, tell us what you want to talk about today. All right. There was an interesting conversation that we had amongst the Flight Test Safety Committee about whether or not probabilities should be subjective or quantitative. And then when we went to the workshop, we had a very similar conversation about whether you should measure safety culture subjectively or quantitatively. So I'll start by asking a rhetorical question. Can we measure safety culture quantitatively? Vanessa, do you know how many people went to the flight test safety workshop? Over 100. The number was about 150. 
So Art, how many people answered the survey that you sent out after the workshop? 44. 44. When I first hear that number, it doesn't sound to me like the community is very engaged, but before we started recording, you told me something. What did you tell me about that number for survey respondents? That's actually about average for our survey responses historically. So just talking to Art here about the numbers around who attended the workshop and how many people answered the survey told me something that I didn't know before. You could have told me very few people answered the survey and I would have walked away thinking that people weren't engaged. But by telling me something historical, it informed me. And I think we can apply that to flight test safety in general, especially to understanding test risks. So I think you've got a bar chart in front of you as well. Can you go ahead and just read one of the sample questions that you surveyed the attendees? Okay, uh, so one of the questions, and maybe the easiest question, was we talked about objectives at the beginning of the workshop that we had for the three days we were going to be there in Palm Beach. And the question was, the workshop objectives were met. And we asked people to answer on a scale of one to five, with one being sort of no or negative and five being yes or positive. Uh, and overwhelmingly, we got a lot of fours and fives. So generally speaking, people thought the workshop objectives were met. So before Art said that we got mostly fours and fives, I can look at the bar chart and I can see that it's kind of skewed to the right and then it's pretty tall. That those are all qualitative statements about the responses, but we can actually count how many people gave us a three, how many people gave us a four, how many people gave us a five, and we can come up with both a qualitative and a quantitative answer. Um, that is, I think, the most powerful thing that we could take away from this, is that when you can answer a question one way, answering it the other way may reveal a little bit more information that will help you with your measuring safety culture or measuring test safety risk. Let me give you one example from football real quick. We all know about American football, and we all know how it scores and that kind of thing. If I told you that uh, Los Angeles beat the Kansas City Chiefs 70, 70 to zero, what would you think? I say that was rather unusual score for football. Exactly. If all I told you was that they won, you wouldn't be able to understand that it was a high-scoring game that uh, they got rolled over. That's an example of putting both the quantitative and the qualitative together. Excellent. So I'm going to give the audience a list of three questions they can ask anytime they're facing uncertainty that I think will help them deliberately work through these steps that we're talking about. The first one is state the outcome qualitatively and quantitatively. The football team won, that's qualitative. The, the football team won 35 to 17, that's quantitative. The second one is state the range of possible outcomes. For example, you could theoretically tie a football game zero to zero, and you could theoretically win a football game 180 to zero. Both of those things are highly unlikely, but that's a range of possible outcomes for football games. And the last one is state the frequency of possible outcomes. I think we all agree that most football games are in the lower scoring half of that range, and it's probably bell-shaped. Now, I just described qualitatively what the frequency is. If we, if we really wanted to, we could count out all the possible outcomes, 0 to 0, 0 to 2, 2 to 2, 3 to 3, and so on and so forth, and we could sharpen our pencil and come up with actual probabilities for all of those. But by just working through these three questions, we've described a lot about the outcomes of football games. And if somebody didn't know anything about American football, they would have a lot more information now than they had previously. Agree. The more you know about football, the 
better you can do the, for sure, the qualitative assessment, right? Obviously, anybody can count numbers and, and look up scores and see what happened. Uh, but you mentioned before we started recording that, well, what if you didn't know anything about the sport? What if we were talking about cricket or something else? We probably wouldn't be able to make a very good qualitative assessment. But if you just found one person who was smart on cricket and they explained to you things like the range of possible outcomes, um, you could then possibly say when someone said the cricket score was three to two, say, oh, that's a pretty normal score because someone just explained to me the range of possible outcomes. Exactly. And I'm going to go back to what we talked about at the beginning. There's about 150 people at the flight test safety workshop and about 44 answered. And when you told me that, I was a little bit disappointed. But then you gave me three pieces of background information so that I wasn't disappointed. That's basically how many times, that's, that's basically how many people answer the question. Anyways, we sent it out on a, on a Friday. We didn't exactly send it out when we want. So those kinds of things are what come out of the conversations you have when you center them around the 3Q to illuminate everybody that's sitting at the table to get a, a better grasp of what the test risks actually are. In this discussion, Marks, I told you those things about the survey saying that, well, maybe the day we sent it out had an impact on how many people completed it. Had we done a paper survey, for example, at the event itself, would we have gotten more responses? Um, we opted to do an electronic one just because it's easier to tabulate. We can do a lot more with the data on the other end of that. And we thought that it would be easier if we just provide you a link. You click on that link and you very easily click through all the questions without having to write stuff down. But, and we didn't do that with the intent of saying, this way is gonna get us the most responses. Um, what we did get was the 44 people who responded, we got a lot of uh, additional feedback. So there were two blank spaces where they could fill in, this is what I'd like to see at a future workshop or just general comments. So we found out a lot of things about, some things about the venue that we could do better, some things about the schedule that we could do better. Uh, and I think that, was worth doing it electronically, but maybe in doing that, we lost a little bit of numbers of how many people actually filled it out. Yeah, there's pros and cons to both approaches, and my answer is always going to be use both approaches to get the, the best of both worlds. Now, hopefully that conversation stimulated some thought, and if you're with a group, maybe even some discussion. Now, if you're by yourself and having a discussion, that's okay. Just be mindful of who gets in the last word. So what do you think of Mark's 3Q? Express the outcome both qualitatively and quantitatively. Describe the range of possible outcomes. And third, assess the frequency of potential outcomes. Now, if you want a little more, Mark has an article back in the September 2019 edition of the Flight Test Safety Fact. You can check it out. And I'll put a link in the show notes. And you know what the best part is? The discussion isn't over. We will pick it up next month with part two when we will rejoin Mark and Vanessa and add another interviewee. Someone who just happened to be walking by, heard our discussion, and had his own thoughts on these flight test issues. Here's a couple of upcoming events to mention. Registration is open for the Society of Experimental Test Pilots Annual Symposium and Banquet, 21 through 24 September in Anaheim. Also, nominations for the Ivan C. Kinchlow Award for Outstanding Achievement in Flight Test and the James Doolittle Award for Outstanding Accomplishment in Aerospace Technical Management or Engineering are being accepted. Now, you can find the details on the SCTP website for those awards. There's a lot of great work going on in flight test, and these awards are an outstanding way to recognize the people doing that work. 
And finally, a call for papers is out for the European Flight Test Safety Workshop in London in October, and registration for that event will be open soon. Please check the SCTP, SFTE, and AIAA websites for all of the upcoming events. Well, that'll wrap us up for this month. Time to get started on that back-to-school shopping if you have kids. And if you don't, then head to the beach while everyone else is at the mall. Just remember the sunscreen and to be mindful of the hazards that exist out there in the ocean. Until next month, be safe, be smart, and be ready. The Flight Test Safety Podcast is sponsored by Time to Climb Training and Consulting. Motivate your team to succeed, accelerate towards your goals, and elevate to a higher level of performance. On the web at www.time2climb.com.